Hello and welcome to DevRel Roundtable. My name is Matthew Ravel and I'm joined by my co-host Rebecca Marshburn, the head of community at Common Room. Hello, Matthew. Thanks for having me on again as co-host. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining me. So today we're going to talk about data and how data enables us to tell a story about communities and also to understand what's going on and to, I guess, make predictions. But we'll look at that as we go through the program today. Uh, Rebecca, I think we've got a, a really solid lineup of people for this particular topic. And, um, you know, each of them works with data day in, day out, particularly related to communities. So I'm very, very interested to hear what they've got to say. Um, but obviously, you know, with you working at Common Room, data is kind of your lifeblood too. Indeed it is. I feel like you had mentioned this idea of making predictions, but it's also understanding how tying together what we're doing as an input, how that's affecting an output. And so what we would say, you know, how that drives a business forward, how community is not just like a, isn't that sweet to have, but a, it's a must have in terms of business success. And in order to actually tell that story, we also need the data behind it. So it's not just qualitative, but also quantitative as well. And so I'm really excited for this lineup of um, panelists um, because they've all approached data in a very precise and uh, what like a scientific methodology type of way. Cool. So shall we bring in our guests then? Because um, I'm really excited to, to, to put them on stage and allow them to to have their say. So let's start with Richard, Richard Hello. Millington. Richard, Richard Millington. Uh, Matthew brought you in a little quick because I love to say a little something about each person. Uh, I can leave if you want. Yeah, you want to lead? You take the lead. You know you. Oh, I said I can leave uh, if you want. <laughs> I'm happy to lead. Sure, everyone. Um, hi, my name is uh, Richard. I'm the founder of Feverbeam. And we very much help clients take a data-driven approach to building their communities with a lot of research, a lot of community intelligence, and really doing what I think is quite cutting-edge stuff to prove the return on investment of a community. And I think, Richard, you uh, you were very clear about you and what you do, but I want to like add a little emphasis to it. Um, you are the founder of Feverbee, as you said. You're also also the author of three different books around community, and they're like talking about data and how to apply that to community strategies. And you're constantly speaking across the world and at conferences, um, helping people understand how to take how to look at data and then interpret it and then apply it so that they can build better communities. So I just want to give you the little exclamation point uh, on top of how you introduce yourself. So great to have you with us, uh, Richard. I'm going to bring in Amanda Boyle from GitHub. So Amanda, welcome to the DevRel Roundtable. Thank you for joining us. You're joining us from the Pacific Northwest in, in the US and you are your day-to-day -day is looking at the data around community in GitHub. Um, and kind of that that's that's the I guess been leading up to that in your career because you were doing community things at Tableau previously, and then you've been at GitHub now. But for you, it feels as though, from what I understand of you, your day is all about looking at what does data mean and how can we make it tell a better story about our community and the communities that use GitHub? 
Yes. So my team is focused just on the GitHub community discussions. So we launched it. We actually migrated into the product last year in July. And so a lot of the work that we do is incorporating product feedback, um, question and answers, understanding users' needs and trending. And then how can that support our customer success efforts? How do we make sure that people are given the resources they need and also helping each other? Ultimately, at the end of the day, if you can create and enable a culture where users are helping users and they don't get frustrated and give up. That's ultimately like what we hope to do. Um, but yeah, my background was four years at Tableau leading their amazing uh, Zen and ambassador programs, now the visionaries. And I mean, if you learn data at Tableau, you're pretty much set after that. So that's pretty great. And Amanda, I've had the great pleasure of meeting you in person at a Seattle um, common room Neva meetup last year. And I loved hearing what you did there um, or hearing about what you did when, when we were there together. So I'm super excited to see and hear what you share today on the call. Yeah, it's great to see you again. I was surprised. So this is pleasant. Ah, this is pleasant. Um, uh, our last panelist is Josh Brissell, someone who is near and dear to my heart because he is our own data and analytics lead at Common Room. And if there's uh, one person who has truly taught me the importance of precision in terms of turning numbers into language, it is this man. Uh, we have worked together both on our 360 community-led growth report, where we established benchmarks and insights for community leaders based on 141 different communities um, that use Common Room, as well as the developer relations compensation report. And, uh, you know, we would look at the numbers together and I would write a sentence and he'd be like, that's not quite exactly what that says. And I think it's super, super important that we also look at um, the way we write things and the way that numbers get translated into action based on the language interpretation in the middle. Um, that is really important. So I'm glad to have him here, too, to represent that extremely um, precise point of view when it comes to looking at the data seeing the data that we see across our communities in our roles, and then understanding what that means when we say it out loud to someone else. Hello, Josh. Hi, Rebecca, and thanks for the intro. I feel like you you took everything I was going to say, and that's great, and I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, happy to be here and happy to talk about data. And as Rebecca said, um, I do pretty much you know everything on the data gauntlet at Common Room, so excited to be here and talking about data. Cool. Well, then, should we talk about data? <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds good. All right. Um, so I'm going to kick us off with a like a, a, a general question to help set the context for what we're talking about. When we're talking about community data and community metrics. Um, so this like to establish this baseline, right? This foundation of where we're all working from. Um, Richard, I'm going to start with you, and and then we'll go around the horn. What are the core metrics that drive community success? So. If we're, if we're someone starting off, right, and we're like, I want to start using data to understand what I should do best in my community, granted, it's probably not a one-size-fits-all, but if there are like um, a few core metrics that we should be looking at in terms of looking at community success, maybe that's longevity, maybe it's health, maybe it's engagement, um, what are those core metrics that you would consider like the first place, the integral place to start? Yeah, I don't think metrics drive um success i think obviously actions drive the success of a community i think where metrics really play a role isn't just in looking at a community and seeing what's happened but in looking very deeply into what members need and what they want and so that means combining both the quantitative the quantitative data with the qualitative information so on the quantitative side i think surveys uh interviews ux research is obviously very important to understand exactly what members need 
Um, but what we're also looking to find out when we look at a community is to see where the drop-off points are in a community. What can we fix? What's working? What's not working? And really trying to take it in a very, I hate the term, but a very like holistic approach. So we look at the community it's entirely, figure out where the issues are, and then systematically repair each of those issues. Obviously, to get support, you need very clear metrics for return on investment and what kind of impact um, you happen to make. But I think maybe that's a question for a little later on. The key thing that we really look at from a data perspective is one is, does the organization have metrics that they think are right for them? Is two, does everyone agree on what these metrics are? And three, and maybe the most challenging one is, are they getting and analyzing this data in a valid way? And it's so easy to bias the results of that. And so those are the kind of things that we think about when we um, are looking at what kind of metrics uh, drive any kind of uh, success. Thank you for that. I find that uh, answer holistic and in a very good way, in the in the in the happy way of using the term. Um, Amanda, because you specialize specifically at GitHub, I'm wondering if what Richard just said resonates with you in terms of how you approach um, what your core metrics are in your like specific area versus like larger GitHub organization as a whole. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And Richard, it's really fun to get to actually talk with you. I've been following your work you for too. years, so this is great. Um, no, I think absolutely, totally echoing that. I think the sentiment or the qualitative versus quantitative, uh, it has to be brought in, right? We can look at the data, but if you're not actually like taking the time to like really read and understand like what are the pain points, if, if you're advanced enough to have a machine learning model, that's awesome. But like even just taking the time to like read some of like the top trending issues. You're like, okay, what actually is going on here? Uh, I think it's super important uh, for our business as a whole, like GitHub is massive and a community of communities. So we're just like one slice of that larger effort. And so it's really important that we work closely with the group that's focused on like maintainers or um, open source program offices or all these different audiences that are kind of segmented. Our space is one of the few that I think anybody goes to, whether you're an enterprise user, a free user, a student, everybody kind of uses our discussions right now. And we have done very little to promote them. I'm kind of terrified for the tidal wave when actually people know about it because <laughs> we have a very small team. Uh, but for us, for the business, we use um, engaged contributors and engaged users with very specific criteria across a lot of the different community programs is kind of like a baseline. We're like, okay, how many people are one, like, using this discussions experience and then how many are actually contributing and then from there we go deeper but that helps us just know like what's happening as like a pulse and then we get into a lot more around like top contributors retention um we segment within our different categories so like kind of like product types to say like what's happening in different areas and really trying to work closely with our counterparts on the product side to like help them know like is there something happening with your product good or bad that you might not be aware of I think is kind of just get started. There's a bunch packed in there though. Yeah, I love that. It's sort of like telling the story even of like a engaged, what were the two engage the foundation engaged? Users. Users and then engaged contributors, right? Were yeah. the two. Yeah, it's sort mm -hmm. of interesting there too because I think there's um, almost a qualitative story you can draw the line between, which you have to then investigate to be like, when there's a drop off between users and contributors, what is the qualitative story in the middle where people are dropping off um, and like, you know, is it because there's something that they're not getting from us that they need? Or is it just like, you know, a natural, like common type of, well, that we're going to see this much. Um, but there's like a qualitative piece in that, in that gap between the two, which I think is super interesting and excited to dive into. Josh, I saw you nodding along while Amanda was speaking. And so I'm curious from the, from the 
looking at the numbers and the in the graphs all day and then putting those together um if this is also what you're seeing in terms of uh, in large data sets across communities what types of data people want what they're asking for from you and then what you're seeing when you pull data what would be like the the right core pieces to look at yeah it's a uh... Pretty much exactly that. Uh, what what I've been focused on recently is um, the combination and the intersection between community and CRM and product data. And so uh, we're getting to the point now where we can actually look at them all together for the same individual or the organizations or the trends and that kind of stuff. And so uh, it opens up a new kind of realm of what what we can find out about the customer journey uh, to make sure that we're able to meet people where they're at, as well as able to see what the impact is of their engagement in community. So um, if you think about the last time that you engaged with an, like a, a new product or something, there's this whole cycle of how you engage with the product where you start by maybe asking people that you know um, questions about the product, and then you move on to asking the community about the product, and then uh, from there, you move into actually using the product. So you have product usage data that's formulated from that. And then you might get to a point where you actually want to talk to somebody in sales about the product too. And so um, now we're able to, to start looking at all those together to really show the value of community in that whole cycle of the customer journey to make sure that we're able to um, support people and advocate for more resources for community and more resource more resources for the product. And uh, it's pretty cool. But um, yeah. So. All right. Well, we are set off, I think, for our data discussion. And um, thank you for establishing sort of those benchmarks in terms of what's core and then how we build out from the core. Um, I know that Matthew has a question that he's been itching to ask jumping off of this. And so I shall pass it to you, Matthew. Thanks. So, Richard, you've written about creating a community data system. And one of the things that I think ties in nicely with what everyone was just saying is the idea of kind of doing a almost a, a community data audit um so can you give some advice on how people running communities today can can kind of take a measurement of where they are right now with with their measurements and understand what what is a good number and perhaps what's more noise rather than signal sure but let me if it's okay i want to zoom out a little and tackle that from a broader perspective. Because one of the things that I feel is happening a lot is most of the time data, collecting data, analyzing is a vanity exercise that doesn't lead to any outcome whatsoever. And I really strongly believe this because we see it time and time again, is that people will collect data, like the question you asked, you know, what data are you, you collecting? We've asked this at workshops, you know, in many different parts of the world. And everyone can say, you know, um, engage users, or I'm measuring the number of click-throughs from this. And people can tell me, you know, very often, what are the metrics that matter to them? But when we ask them, what do you do with that metric? They'll say, oh, I put it in a report and I send it to my boss. And then we'll be like, well, then what happens? And then they'll be like, well, then the boss looks at it. And that's kind of where it ends. So this whole exercise is like, it's a giant vanity exercise because there isn't a system in place. And the way you build a system is by figuring out what is the framework that you're going to do. So if, you're, if a metric you care about goes up or down by 10% next month, what will you do differently as a result of that? And what this ultimately ties down to is, ties back to is what is the decision that you're going to make? Because that's the whole point of data. You use data to make better decisions. And I feel we often lose track of that because 
data is often used to create nice reports, not create good decisions. And ultimately, data is at the core level is what are you going to do more of, what are you going to do less of, and what are you going to change? And you need that framework in place before you can build out everything else. Because what happens is we dive straight into the data without thinking about what are the questions we're trying to answer. And once we have the questions, um, how do we turn them into data questions? So when I talk about the system, it means beginning with what is the outcome that's going to be um, the result of the data that we're collecting? And what are the questions that is that inform the outcome? So even like really simple questions are very difficult to translate into very specific data terms. Let's imagine, for example, and just cut me off if I'm talking too much, but let's imagine, for example, um, we want to know what the impact of community is upon customer retention. That sounds like not too difficult to answer. Actually, it's incredibly difficult to even define what that question means in data terms. First, you have to define what does retention mean? You know, what does that mean? Is it a customer that renews after one month? And then you have to figure out what does community mean? If a member has visited a community once and never came, came back over a year ago, do you include them? Do you not exclude them? And so the challenge is getting very, um, drilling very deep into what is the specific metrics that matter to you and all the trade-offs that go into that and how messy that can get, figuring out exactly how to get that data, how to extract it, how to analyze that data in statistically valid ways, and then how to visualize and present that data. So when we talk about the system, we talk about that whole process from what is the decision, what does the um, process look like, how do you extract it? The ideal outcome, honestly, is where you have a data pipeline that that is built out and it shows you in a visual form what is a decision, you know, color coded, green, red, whatever. That is the ideal outcome, but that takes a lot of work. But at the very least, you can do this in a manual way and still get the right kind of outcome. So I can give you benchmarks um, if you like that we like, but I think I want to give everyone else a chance to speak. So that's what we think about the system, the end-to-end -end system of how it all connects together. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And I um I kind of want to pass this to Josh for a second because I do think that that strict definition or that defining of that criteria, right? Where it's like, well, what does this mean? What does retention mean, right? We had to, Josh, when you were pulling data for the community-led growth report, you had to set those definitions extremely specifically, right? So that we could measure everything against the same exact starting point. And so I'm curious how you approach some of those like strict definitions of criteria um, and maybe why some of the thought processes behind why you chose those um, those starting places um, and maybe, you know, would you do it again that way? Or is it like now that we've seen what communities are doing or thinking about like what Richard just said, right? In terms of how different companies want to define what they actually turn into actions. Um, how how did you come to those strict definitions of, of how you were measuring things like retention and responsiveness and engagement? Yeah, no, I'll... All good questions and all of it kind of it hits close to home because the the data quality for community is is uh it's kind of tricky to work with so you can only work with what you're able to get from apis for different community sources or whatever you're able to record and stuff and so um like a perfect example there was for retentions one that comes up a bunch because like you want to look at your community retention your customer retention your user retention everybody wants to know who keeps on coming back because it's like a it's a main success criteria in many ways um or or it can be used as a vanity metric but uh when you think about community retention um there's a lot of passive users in communities right so uh somebody goes to a community they might go and log into YouTube or something and watch like a bunch of videos, but never like anything or 
give a thumbs up or like comment or anything like that. Um, and so it makes it really tricky to track retention, for instance, and, unless somebody is actively engaging, which is a slightly different definition of retention. And then you have to be super clear that you're using a different metric here. So it has to be thought of and used in a different way. And um, I see that that data definition and uh, clarity problem come up over and over again with community data because it's uh, it's really varied based on on where you're getting your data from. Um, but another thing that you'd said, Richard, struck <laughs> struck close to home with me too is uh, a lot of people just want charts or to like like what do you do with that data? You're like, well, I take that data and then I go build a chart and then my boss looks at the chart and then they like you know in theory are going to do something with that data. Uh, like, great, I got a chart. Um, and what did they do with their chart? They tell their boss <laughs> that the chart went up or the chart went down. Um, and so that's something that that we're really looking to. Uh, change is people actually should be able to act upon the data. And what's cool in Common Room, at least, uh, is all of our charts have been wired up so you can click on them and drill down and see the underlying stuff and like members or organizations with the thought there that it's supposed to be much closer to the action. So if you see a trend go up or down, it's like, well, great, like go and do something about that. Go and like set up, you know, some kind of meeting with a person to talk about what their experience looks like or uh, take it to that next level of actually acting upon it and driving the change in your community. Um, and I think we're still a little ways away from that becoming the norm on how people are interacting with community data, uh, but it's exciting to be at the forefront of enabling people to actually be able to do that, so. Um, what you just said reminded me of a post that I saw, Richard, I think this was last week, and you sparked this awesome internal conversation, was on reframing lurkers as learners. And I don't, did you, did you post it on like LinkedIn or something, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I it was, it was also in one of my books as well, but thank you. Yeah. Well, it, it's such a good, I think you just, everything that you just brought up uh, uh, was actually around that as essentially like not, not like highlighting that as like a really important thing is like thinking about like users versus contributors is really important. Is like taking the time to say like somebody finding value in this content is, is incredibly important and not everybody is going to contribute and we don't necessarily need everybody to. And that's like, I don't want to slip us into like self-help success metrics or case deflection and support metrics because I've spent a lot of time getting us away from all those numbers. I don't want to do that ever again. More power to people who do it, not my interest. Um, but I think that taking the time to like know that the content that we create is exponentially valuable to others when it's in a public space is really, really important is like valuing that and highlighting the content that's of value for me specifically like working in a forum i think is is really important and if you think about how our teams might align to like a marketing effort or a product launch effort or anything like that it's like if we can say like this is the content that users need and are going back to and linking to that's really important too if yeah if you think about the learners and contributors too uh so the one of the big things in responsiveness in forums or chat or whatever is the amount of trust that your community is able to build for like answering the question in the right way, right? So if somebody posts a question and somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing responds with an answer that they're super confident about, uh, you might think that that would degrade trust in the community. However, oftentimes you're going to have somebody that's an expert step in and say, hey, you know, that's, you know, kind of not 100% of the truth. Here's the whole story or here's where you should go and look and um and so yeah so like the the learners and the contributors are it's a it's a fine balance right 
I'm so glad that we have a bunch of people on this call who have been able to read each other's work in different places and then bring that in as well. Um, just makes me really happy. I feel like I'm with a bunch of celebrities. Um, Amanda, I wanted to dive in with you around uh, GitHub, but especially when we're talking about um, data points that you've tried to move away from and data points you've tried to move forward, you know, to then tell that deeper story. So GitHub as a whole, right, must be a goldmine of community data, but you're focused on GitHub discussions. And I'm really curious because discussions is, um, you said, right, like your the tidal wave is going to be pretty wild when people really start discovering it, but you haven't yet done that big push. And so people are finding it on their own and interacting with it a lot. Your team can, your team is now, right, like set up, it's almost like a, it's a new space, a new community space that I don't want to make assumptions like it's a, um, a blank canvas because certainly like there's already um, GitHub qualities and expectations and deliverables that you bring to it. But because it is a relatively new like community forum, is there a way that you're setting up the data that you want and like pushing people toward the data that we you should be looking for in order to take actions? And since forums is a little bit newer, what what data are you looking to use to feed your community strategy specifically in this forum space? Yeah, I was, I was, thank you. That's a great question. I was taking notes kind of around that while y'all were talking. And um, so anybody who's not familiar with this, like it's community.github.com. So anybody who's like watching this and you're like, what are y'all talking about? That's where we live. And um, it's specifically a discussion on a publicly facing repo that um, discussions launched, I think maybe less than two years ago. Uh, I was like, I've only been at GitHub for two years and I remember when it launched. And so um the plot, like the product itself is new. And so like, it's a really special space to be in because we work really closely with the engineering product and design team on what features, like we're a, a weird use case. We've got like tens of thousands of users, like exponentially more than most open source projects using our discussions. And so the scale is just gonna be different than what you're gonna see even in a massive open source project. Um, so the stuff we need is different, but I think it's really important when we think about like, what we're able to get out of discussions, we actually have to work with our data and our analytics teams to build into the data model, to even get the data out to say like, we need, right now I need category level data for every different category in the discussions. Right now I have like engagement for everything, but getting micro down to category, they have to rebuild a whole new data model and bless our analytics team. They're probably so sick of me being like, I really need this, but it's a ton of work for them. And then like, because I have a, I just want to pull everything into Tableau, even though, you know, respectfully, we can't do that anymore. I, it's not, I don't get to use it. But for us, it's like, it's thinking about like, what does retention mean for discussions as a product, not just for us. And so whatever we build with it, I want to be able to have our team say, this is how we're using this product and how you can too, because we're at any repo, anybody can turn it on. So if you have a project that you're running, learn from the stuff that we've figured out and you don't have to recreate the wheel yourself. And it's not like, it's just a really awesome platform that people can use and take advantage of. So that's something we think about a lot. Um, I think specifically it's building trust with our product teams. Um, I, I can't remember somebody mentioned earlier is like that alignment with product and understanding, like what are the trending topics and the things that people need is product feedback is with a company this big is coming in from countless channels, whether you're talking to your sales rep or you're talking to your customer success manager, app, like feature requests, bugs, all of that is coming in from so many different streams. So making sure that we can analyze that information discreetly from other things too is really important. Like product feedback 
isn't a question. So you have to actually build that into how it's categorized in your data model to suss it out from everything else and not have it kind of like dilute the rest of the data. Richard's laughing. I can see just like nodding. With no, I agree. Like, I yeah. completely agree. It happens like in people are like, what's the sentiment and things like that. I'm like, it's, it's just kind of hard to like really get to it without a machine learning model. I, um, I, I secretly hope that you also still get to like use Tableau on the side. You're like, I'm going to go home on Friday night and secretly open up my Tableau. <laughs> I was, I just finished grad school. And so I have a student license. So I, I, I use it to validate that I'm thinking what I think I'm thinking. Like, am I measuring what I think I'm measuring is something I ask myself all the time and like taking the time to like look back at the data and be like, measure twice, cut once kind of thing. It's like, don't report it until you actually know that's what is real. Um, I, so I, I want to like dive a little bit deeper into how you're talking about delivering value to the product team, right? And then, or building trust with them is what you said. And I think that that's specifically certainly one team that you want to build trust with. And then for a lot of people, right, they want to build trust with the marketing team or the growth team or the success team or the support team. Um, and so I think there are different like data pieces that can help build trust with each of those teams. Um, I would love to hear from you. It sounds like, you know, obviously distinguishing between product feedback and a product question is one way to do it. And then making sure that you're delivering those data points and like what's happening in aggregate and, you know, individually across members um, back to the product team. So there's like a quick iterative loop. Um, I, I would love to hear a little bit more about the different way or what you what you know that the product team is looking for in order to see value from your community work. And then I'd love to hear from others um, and you as well, if you also have like, and this is what the marketing team is looking for, and this is what the success team is looking for, and this is what the growth team is looking for. I think kind of diving into how data in the community then drives those value propositions for your cross-functional teams would be a super rad um, piece of the convo here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll focus on product first because that's where we've had the most success lately is, and it's discrete based on the team that we're working with. Like there's, I think, I don't even know how many categories we have right now, at least like a dozen, if not more. So Copilot for business is a product from GitHub that is, uh, has just launched a new, a, a new tier of it just launched it. I think it's Copilot for business GA. And we're working really closely with the product manager, um, to get ahead of frequently asked questions that we're seeing from users. It's kind of like we're seeing the, the same types of things keep coming in, whether they be support tickets, whether we see something treading, trending on another site, whether it be like Reddit or Stack Overflow or something else, people are like, these are the types of problems we're having. We're like, okay, where, how many places can we put this in front of users so they don't get stuck and, and not know what to do? I think it's really important is using that like qualitative information to inform what type of resources we need to make accessible to users is super helpful. And then also um, leading up to a launch is like, we're just one channel that a user might come to for enablement. Um, respecting that people all learn in so many unique and special ways, whether it's be watching a video, some people love forums, some people hate them. So it's like, just, we're not going to be everybody's flavor and that's okay. And knowing that like the value that we provide needs to be consistent with all these other teams too, I think is super, super important that a lot of people just like don't plan for in like a go-to-market strategy, which brings in marketing, brings in product, brings in everybody is like, whatever you're putting out, the messaging needs to be consistent and like intentional across all of these different channels and not to forget about this one just because it's a little it might be not as familiar um but for product going like going to bring a new thing to market is 
who are the top contributors already who are using it if it's not a brand new thing? And then how can they help make it better? Like building trust with those users is like, what features do they like? What do they hate? And taking the time to have real conversations with them and build that, that's like something I saw done exceptionally well at Tableau is actually working with the top contributors. It was such a pleasure because they made the product what it is. And that, like they had great relationships with the engineering teams to say like, this is how I use it in such a deep way. They then like an engineer might not ever use a product the same way that a user is going to use it. And so building an an opportunity for them to build trust together to almost like demo and walk somebody through something is such a valuable it's so it's of such value to any product team to like build those kind of relationships and take the time to like have that kind of feedback um it's it's very time consuming but i think if you like take the effort to do it it, it pays back in dividends um i've been talking a lot so anybody else jump in please just one comment i have there is this is this feels like it's kind of full circle because uh <clears throat> maybe Four or five years ago, I was down at Data One providing product feedback on Tableau to nice. like, on the data and the engineering team, and so um, it's fun to fun to be thinking about that being a big part of that now. Talking about community, talking about data, all this time mm -hmm. later. So. It's um, all intentional. Like I think that they they did it really well, and we got really lucky. Like the community was incredible. Is is incredible. Like it's it's really great. Josh, I'm curious if, um, because I know that you get a lot of inbound requests, right, from customers specifically looking to tie one piece of data back to a specific team, depending on, you know, which team is the, the whether it's the community team or the marketing team or where someone rolls up into. Sometimes it's the product team if it's a DevRel person. If, um, so I'm curious if there are specific inbound requests that you get most often in terms of which data, which teams want to tie from where. And in what actions are they looking to take off of it, right? To Richard's point, like, now that you have that chart, like, what do you want to do with that chart? Yeah, no, good question. So, I mean, I, I would say I get the most, the most requests are on trying to prove out the value of community, um, which is, uh, like, the main request is, I think, removed from the action, quite frankly, where people want to say, hey, this is my community, it's worth this much money, or it's been able to make us this much money, or there's some correlation there. Um, especially now that budgets are being cut at lots of companies, uh, like we all probably know somebody that's been laid off in the, you know, recent past. And, um, as unfortunate as that is, it also means that people are getting a lot tighter with their budgets. And when you think of community, it's a, it's a space that a lot of companies uh, don't have any allocated budget for it. Like they might have like one or two community professionals, but, uh, like leaders don't necessarily know how much they should be investing there. And so uh, a lot of the requests ends up being like, hey, you know, show us all of our opportunities. Uh, how many of those opportunities can we contribute towards community for either having them show up in community before they showed up in CRM or, uh, you know, showing like having people that are in a sales cycle go towards community. And it's pretty basic stuff. It's not like it's rocket science or anything. Um, but it's a way for people to start to say, hey, this is this is like the dollar amount that we're able to to show for community. Um, and that ends up being community leaders themselves trying to, to show that to leaders. Right. Um, the other piece is around uh, like I don't know if this is categorized in marketing necessarily, but it's around events, uh, trying to prove out the value in events. Um, so there's a lot of money that goes into like conferences or uh, different meetups or whatever it might be um, hundreds if not millions of 
dollars, um, like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, right? Uh, and so one thing that people haven't done historically is really test the impact of this, right? It's like you host an event, you're like, great, we all get together, we talk about stuff, that's awesome. Um, but are the things you're trying to push at the event actually driving, you know, more community engagement or more product usage or more leads? And so uh, doing tests before and after for the, the users that go to specific events where you're trying to push for a specific agenda is a great way to start to show the like effectiveness of those different events. Uh, and then you can say, okay, hey, these ones are working out. Let's do more of those. Or these ones aren't working out. Let's try to figure out what's going wrong there. So they're able to tweak that so we can get more out of it, right? Um, and it kind of starts to bridge that gap between like, you know, insights for the sake of just having some charts to show my boss to insights to actually change the way that we're, you know, running events or the content for the people that we're bringing to those events to, to present. Um, thank you. I Because I've worked with you before, obviously, I'm like, oh, what if we talked about, uh, but instead, we're going to, I'm just a regular co-host here and you're a regular panelist. Um, Richard, I'm curious if what Amanda and Josh just spoke about in terms of demonstrating the value and like how that can be applied to different teams. If you've seen this across, you work with so many different customers um, and clients at Fever B. So I'm curious if you're seeing the same, the same uh, desires or the same asks. Uh, the same asks for sure. Everyone wants to know what the value of their community is. Um, like I said before, I, I think they don't know what they're going to do with the data, honestly. Um, I think there's so many challenges that we need to overcome. And one of them, to be frank, is we're very biased. Like I feel like all of the vendors, all of the community managers, all of the consultants in this space, we have a bias is that we want the ROI to be as high as possible, right? Of course we do. Why would we not? Which means we often make statements that I feel if community data was audited like the way that financial data is, it would be disastrous for a lot of people in this space because the claims they're making wouldn't be supported by the data that they have. And so there's a lot of confusion between causation and correlation. And the level of data literacy in this space I feel is quite low. And I think there's so much work we need to do to bring this up to a level where we can identify what's causational, what's correlational, what's precise and what's imprecise. And a lot of what we do with clients or try to do with clients at least is to guide them through the process of what kind of ROI do they want? Because saying, I want to know what the ROI of my community is can mean many different things. Do they want a precise dollar value or not? Because that takes you down one different pathway compared to looking at the impact of community. And if it is looking for a precise dollar value, can we run a controlled experiment or not? The answer is almost always no, although we've done it once before and the results were interesting, but the answer is almost always no. We can't do a controlled experiment. So then fundamentally, it's correlational data, right? We don't know for sure what would have happened. And so then we get data like a call deflection, we get you know tracing the value of new customers that attended events, um, or we look at comparative data from newcomer conversion rates compared to non-member conversion rates. It's some measure like that. Um, if they don't care about precise dollar value, which is quite common as well, like some people just want to know it's helping, but they don't need to assign a dollar value to it, then it opens up a lot of opportunities. But if they just want to increase the level of engagement, fine. I'm not a big fan of that, but there are metrics to do that. There's community-driven impact score where you can ask members what they think about things and analyze things that way. 
or if it's customer support, you can look at task completion rates. Um, if it's marketing, you can look at net promoter score. If it's retention, there's C, C, uh, C, uh, CSAT scores. But I think, I think fundamentally there's such a challenge right now is that the data literacy levels are so low is that we're making a lot of claims that frankly aren't supported in a statistically valid way. And I'm getting quite concerned about it. Um, and time and time, like I think call deflection is probably the most troubling one where some of the methods to calculate call deflection in our industry at the moment are, um, I don't know if I'm, if, if I'm allowed to swear, but they're not great. Um, and they'll give you a measure that, you know, I've seen these calculations used where they're greater than the entire value of the customer support team. And you're like, well, that's not possible. You know, that's just not happening. And so then I've, I've had clients where they get into this debate where, okay, we have to lower like the, um, the, the, the result we're getting. But that's nuts. Cause then they're deciding what result they want and and trying to develop a methodology to match that. And that's completely the wrong way you should go about this. And so, yeah, we do need um, better methods for ROI and everyone wants to know the ROI, but we need to have an interest in understanding different techniques and different ways of showing ROI as well. Because at the moment, it's nowhere near the level that it needs to be. And it's becoming more and more problematic. I was, I was just going to say, I have a follow-up question there. So. Uh, I, I totally agree. Uh, there, there's a ton of confusion in the space, and there's there's a lot more um, correlation than causation right now. And that's something that I deal with on a daily basis. Is just kind of like what can we show with what's available, and what I keep on telling myself to want to keep on going forward is like we we have to start somewhere, and we have to get some momentum to get more attention in the space, so that we do start to have access or start to put in you know put an instrumentation in place to get better data, to get, you know, a cleaner story on being able to prove out causation and to, to create that whole picture. And so I'm curious, like, what is, what is it, you know, either of your thoughts on like, where do we start and how do we get moving in the direction of getting better data and being able to show better causation um, in a space that's kind of, it feels so fresh and new with data and, you know, we, we got to, got to start somewhere right yeah I, I completely agree i think we have to start somewhere i think one of the things that might be useful is to be considerate in the claims that we're making because it's one thing to say that the community caused x number of sales it's another thing to say that you know x percent of people that visited the community also purchased and so i think correlational value is fine i think there's a great um opportunity in there but there's the language we use, I think, matters. So, for example, you know, if you do a controlled experiment, you might be able to say the community causes members to spend X amount more. Um, if you've got correlational data, as we often do, and I think Common Room does a great job of this, you can say community members spend more, or do more than non-members or any comparison groups. That's a valid statement. You know, you're not saying that it's driven by the community. You're just pointing out a statistical fact. If it's surveys, you can say members tell us that they spend or do X percent more because of the community. I think that's good. If it's like a value assignment method, you can say members who ask a question spend or do X amount more. I think all those things are valid. I think those are very statistically valid things to say and do. Um, I just feel like 
we've got to be careful in the claims we're making and make sure that they are supported by the data. Because I think the temptation is always to say the community caused X. And unless you're doing a controlled experiment, that's not usually an accurate claim. But I think, you know, members spend more than non-members, uh, members who do X do more than others. I think those are more valid statements to make. And I would love us to shift a little bit more in that direction. I think you're completely right. I think all these approaches are valid because everyone has different capabilities. And sometimes you can't do a controlled test or you can't wait months for the result. You just want to do a study that will give you a value you can work with today. But as long as we're making the right statement connected with that, I think we're on pretty safe ground. Does that make sense? Yeah, you, I think you'd probably be surprised at how many requests I get that are like, hey, can you prove that my community does this with our data? And it's like, well, I can look at the data and see what the data tells me. And then we can review that together and see what the insights are. But I can't necessarily like, you know, prove that it's doing a certain thing. Um, and so, yeah, I 100% I agree with all the things you were saying. And Rebecca, that's kind of removing you from your like host kind of shoes to back when we were putting together the Community 360 report. Um, I just remember all the conversations we had about, no, 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 we have to make sure to be very specific about what we're saying here, because if we misword this, it could be completely, you know, misconstrued or, or it could, somebody could think that it means something completely different than what it's actually telling us or um, the level of insight that we have. Like, uh, like the active retention is the one that keeps on coming up in my mind, because it's, it's not like, uh, like most people think of a retention as, you know, somebody just comes back and starts using a product like a, a lurker or a learner, uh, as we were saying earlier, um, when in reality, oftentimes they have to actually like actively be engaging to be considered active retention. So anyways. If you don't mind me saying one more thing quickly, like I think a key part of this is teaching people about data, you know, like like the kinds of questions that you're getting are the same kind, kinds of questions that we're getting. And they want to say, you know, tell me how, how many people the community caused to purchase again. And that's like, you're like, okay, we've got to go through a discussion here where we can talk about, you know, how this works, how calculations are put together, all these kinds of things. But you've got to like have that discussion before you can present the data. Otherwise, there's no context about what it means, which also means that people can't interpret that data at all. I mean, retention is such like a common one and such a challenging one to deal with because it's never just like retention, the number of people that participate again. Once you start drilling into the data, you might end up with a really specific question such as, um, do organizations with at least one member who has visited the community three times in the past 12 months have a higher probability of renewing their annual subscription than those that don't? And like, and that sounds ridiculous, but like that's the level you had to get to. Could you go define very specifically what retention means, what community means? And so, but even that, you know, you're there's so many assumptions that are baked into that data question that you've got to have that discussion and that, you know, it's like a process, not just an outcome. That that you just ran through there. I've done that question, but with different numbers and found what the different balancing points are. So that that would hit super close to home. <laughs> I think I want to I want to jump in on here. My little tableau heart from running data programs is so happy from this conversation. For pausing for anybody who's listening to this, we're pretty much like a master's class in this. So this isn't like intro to data stuff. If somebody's like new to this, listening to this, this would probably be kind of overwhelming. And I want to like just kind of acknowledge that as like going back to what you were saying, Richard, around like data literacy levels are low. I think this is a key differentiator for anybody as a professional is to like take the time to learn this, like truly, truly take the time to learn this. And it will help you no matter what you end up doing is understanding like how to see and analyze, see and understand data and ask the questions and take the time. I think often too, we're like, we're resource constrained. Um, 
we have competing priorities with time and we're going to do what's easy. And sometimes that means taking shortcuts. And as soon as you lose your credibility in this space, especially with internal leadership or anything like that, it's like, it's really hard to get back. So it's like, take the time to like, learn and educate yourself on this, especially if you're like anywhere, I guess, anywhere in your career, because I've seen this with folks and like, I'm very, very fortunate. Our operations manager on my team came over from Tableau too. Absolutely brilliant. Like it's, I'm so fortunate and, and drives a lot of this work for us because he works with the analytics team and he's like able to ask these questions, and, like actually like Figma's out everything. He's like, this is what we're trying to do. We take the time to like write it on paper before you try to build a dashboard. You're like, this is what we're trying to figure out. Do we have the information to figure it out? And then even when we do, it's in that frame of, we believe because of this, this is the direction we think it's going, but it's never like an absolute, like avoid absolutes because you just will be wrong. You will be proven wrong so easily. And I think a lot of that, when we're thinking about like how we build these trusting relationships in what we do with other teams, providing value, it comes with that caveat. It comes with the, this is what we know, or based on these indicators, we believe this, and it relates to this other thing, but it's not yeah, yeah, the absolute is a big part. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, yeah, I love what, what you're saying there about, you know, like learning. And I think there's obviously levels to that. You know, there's a level from just learning the basics to, you know, writing R or Python code and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And I think some people have this mentality of, oh, I wasn't good at maths, so I'm not going to dive deeper into that. Just show me the chart. And I get that. But I don't think we're really talking about mathematics. Obviously, you know, if, if you go deeper, you get into it. I think... It's about thinking logically um, about things. And I think you don't need to be an expert in maths. You don't need to do quadratic equations most of the time. You I mean, there's like there's like a level. And I think if you were to take a really simple beginner's course in data just to understand the fallacies, the common mistakes, these kind of things, you'll be miles ahead of where you are today and be able to understand some of the common issues with data. And that's why I think all you need, just be able to think logically, because it's not math, it's just that logical thinking, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. So so one thing I was thinking, like, uh, you know, for anybody that's listening, uh, you might be wondering, like, where do you start? Where, where, what are good resources that you can use? And Richard, to give you a plug, I was doing some uh, creeping on you this morning on your website on feverb.com slash ROI. And... Uh, there was actually, there was, it was good stuff. It was like, it was good, like, beginner, like start from like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. These are some of the concepts that we're wrestling with. These are some of the metrics. This, this is why these metrics matter. These are some things you can do about that. Um, it's not like a generic data course. It's community focused. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that would probably be a good recommendation for folks. I don't know if either of the two of you have any other ideas for kind of where to start the ground floor for data literacy, but um, I'm a big Stephen Few and Edward Tufte fan, but that's that's more of like data visualization. I think conceptually the storytelling with data folks do a really good job of like making it not scary. I remember when I was just even learning Tableau, whatever whatever tool you may use, I was, I was encouraged to find a data set that I found interesting, whether it be like, they're all over, like data.world has countless things. You can be like, I'm interested in books and you can get the New York Times bestseller list and play with data you find interesting and ask questions and then just start to understand like, what are the variables and how do things and dimensions and measures and like start to understand like when you're talking about this, what are those things? If you go right into your work, it's almost like you, you're, it's not fun. And I think it can be really fun if you actually learn how to do this because it's so applicable to everything else that you do. Like I'm, I'm not great at math at all. I never even took statistics. So I'm just like, 
Yeah. You kind of like learn as you go. And I think the confidence that you build, like with anything we do, like I think for my space is like, it's all about helping users build confidence and not quit and help each other then and paying it forward. And so whether it be learning data, whether it be learning how to use GitHub, whether it be like any of the things that we're all working on is like learning common room for the first time, you can get overwhelmed and just like any new platform, any new tools. So I think taking the time to just like learn it and share with other people, I think is the, the magic of like community, whether it be in any, in any space is like sharing it with others. I also think just to add to that, like any tool is only, is only as good as what you plan to do with it. And I feel the danger or not danger, but the challenge often with any tool, common room, you know, uh, Google analytics, anything is that if you don't know what question you're trying to answer before you use the tool, like the tool is not going to help you that much because you can dive into it and spend the whole afternoon finding really interesting stuff. Like that's what, you know, it's kind of addictive. You can find lots of trends and patterns, but I feel you have to have some idea of what you want before you sit down at the computer to start exploring the tool. Otherwise you're going to get lost. If you don't know where you're going, you're just going to get lost. I want to, um, so spoiler alert, Matthew and I, you know, we have a little chat open on the side, like, Hey, I have a follow-up. Great. You have a follow-up go. And every follow-up that we've typed in, you have now answered as we were like, oh, never mind, they covered it. And like, oh, they actually they covered that. So I've I just want to call out the three of you as being like incredibly impeccably good at talking about what you're so good at. So thank you for that, just as a quick plug. Um one of the things I, I wanted to touch on is, is I, I think a theme maybe, or another way of saying what you're, what you all are saying is like, unless you know what story you're trying to even, or what outcome you're trying to get to, or all the way to the back to the beginning of the conversation, what action you think you want to take from what the data is telling you, if you're not able to put the words into a sentence, into a thing with a period, and then follow that on with the next sentence, like, thus, we will X, um, then the data is only going to be as powerful as what you want to do with it. Um, and so, Richard, to to elevate again the some of the um, things that you've published recently that caught Josh's eye, for example, what are what are a few of those like? Can you pull out a few of those points where you're like, hey, if you're a a, a non data scientist just starting to think through these questions about how to arrive at outcomes, what's like? Uh, here's like steps one, two, and three, or maybe not steps, but themes one, two, and three that you should hold in your head as you're beginning to think about what outcomes data might drive for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a specific answer more than what I've said before. I feel like the danger when anyone creates any kind of strategy or measurement system is that they sit down with a notepad or a laptop and a blank document and they then they type down, you know, I think our community should be for call deflection and product feedback. And that's great, except now you've got to spend all your time persuading everyone else how valuable that is. And it's far better instead to go to your stakeholders and begin with, you know, instead of saying this is this is valuable and you should use it, it's far easier to ask them what is valuable to you and then work backwards to how the community can support that. Because then you're beginning with something that is already has value in the first place. And so that's often where we begin, not trying to persuade people that some metric we just made up is should be important to them because that's it's a hard sell. Um, not impossible, but it's it's a hard sell. It's far easier just to work backwards from what people already find important and then design the right metrics to match. And I don't think, you know, for anything that we're doing, I don't think you need to be a data scientist on any of it. 
I think a lot of it is first being able to decide and define very precisely what you want. The next is to understand the process that you go through to answer any question. And there's certain parts where you play a role in that process and certain parts where you don't. I mean, you know, the community professional should be very good at defining the question because there's so many assumptions that go into that. They have to be very good at defining the question. But in terms of extracting that data or preparing the data or modeling that data, that's not your skill set. That's not their skill, their skill, their skill set. So that's where you need a data analyst to be involved. And then you do the evaluation and the deployment of that data in terms of, you know, internalizing it, making sure people understand how to use it, what to do with it. And so there's a whole process behind that. And I feel like you've got to specialize in the parts that are most relevant to you. And, you know, I'm happy to share blog posts if it helps, but like that process of understanding the business context, how the data will inform the decision, the type of answer that that you need. Is it correlational? Is it causational? What data you have access to defining in the, um, the question, assessing the data that's, ava that's ava available. All these kind of things are steps in that journey. And once you start going down the journey, you get hit by roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And we haven't even talked about data privacy yet, data security. You know, we haven't even talked about these things, which are one of the biggest trends and challenges that we face every single day now. We haven't even got into that. And so I feel like you've got to start with the process of just defining the question. I feel like that will be the first step. Once you've defined that question in very specific met metric terms, that's where the real fun begins. That's where you have to get access to the data, clean the data, extract it. And so that'd be where I'd start. I feel like I'm rambling a little, so I'll pass it on to someone else who wants to speak. I love it. You said that's where the real fun begins when you're talking about <laughs> cleaning data. <laughs> arrived. Data privacy, data security, I think for us, I like, I, I, Tableau is very different than GitHub, but I think it's, it's, I'm very fortunate to have the perspective of like distinctly different audiences. Um, what we could do with the Tableau audience, they were so open and willing. It was very different, but I feel like the developer audience is like, if you break their trust, you're never getting it back. And we just like being very respectful of that is like understanding, like thinking about security, thinking about privacy. It's like how, like even the concept of telemetry of like, what is somebody doing in your platform? People, we don't have cookies turned on. So it's like, like how do we do this? It's like, and that just presents new challenges, but it's like, take a step back and be like, what are you actually trying to solve? And, um, there was another article. I don't remember where I read this it was essentially like, for me, it's like, I know what value my team should bring. Personally, I have a very strong opinion in it, but that needs to tie to business value. It needs to tie to like what the company objectives are or else we can't prioritize it. At the same time, I need to get support from my leadership to like understand what I'm trying to do and to poke holes in it too. I'm like, please tell me what I'm missing because I'm going to miss stuff. And then all the way up to like senior leaders, like getting what you do especially in this space, I'm totally biased. Richard, you said this earlier, like we have to approach it with like out ego. It's like, I think this is important, but I'm only one, I'm only one tool in this, in this approach. So like being very respectful of that too. Um, yes, community data matters, but like in the web of everything else, it's like one measure amongst a lot of other things. I'm curious, Josh, if you have like from an aggregate point of view or, or a a sheer volume of you know inbound requests for looking at data and then like you had said uh, when richard gave that amazing example of like an organization with at least three members within the last 12 months who have asked at least two questions and participated once and like all those different dimensions which i think we all laughed because we're also like that is the specificity you need to get to 
I'm wondering if you sort of have um, an idea around if, if for example, uh, I think what you said, Richard, was like, you need to define the question. Josh, is there a way that you help people when they're making these requests, help them understand how they want to define this question so you can actually work with them through data and then understanding how those correlate? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's, di it's different in every scenario. So it's kind of, I guess the answer I would come to is more of like a framework of the approach there on how to get there, um, which ends up ultimately being, how can you whittle down to like what the core problem is that they're trying to solve? Um, and so if somebody's trying to drive adoption or uh, if they're trying to drive revenue or if they're trying to drive support or like all those things are going to be very different. Um, and so just figuring out what it is at the end of the day, like what, what the change and the action is that they're trying to drive and then just kind of backtracking from there, uh, for everything else, because, um, it's going to be a, a different approach for each scenario. I don't know if that's the answer you want, but it's the answer you got. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think the, the last, um, follow-up I'll have like building off of that is I'm wondering, um, Amanda, how you were saying that you, you know, as you choose a metric and then you need to get buy-in from stakeholders that that's the right metric. How has that conversation gone? And when have they poked holes at things where you're like, oh, okay, I actually wasn't asking the right question based on these other dimensions I should be thinking about? Or like, where does that synergy come from? And how have, the, how have you approached those conversations and figuring out like, is this the right question? And then let's go solve for it. I think it's got, so a lot of it is like internal education. I don't assume anybody understands what we do. I, I really just don't. We, like we sit within our revenue org, which um, I sit in the customer success org too. I used to be in product marketing. So it kind of just depends on where community sits in the business and how people understand or where, where, where your team related to community, whether it be a DevRel evangelism team or a community forum team, like that all depends on like assuming your leaders even know what you do, um, getting to that mutual understanding. And then um, I might think what we're doing, whether it be a number of, questions with solutions or time to solution or time to reply or anything like that. They're, they're, they're interesting health indicators, I think are important, but if they're like, we want to really just make sure that we're, uh, it just depends on what they think is most valuable. If I can say this ties to that and they don't understand that, or there's just like a disassociation, you have to spend a lot of time actually like building, like building that trust with the leaders too. Um, for us, it's a lot of, I mean, honestly, this year is all about prioritization and focusing because everybody's kind of strung out with everything going on and just being really smart about where are we using our resources and what are we asking of other teams? Richard alluded to this when you're saying you like, your job isn't to do the analytics work. It's not to be the data scientist, it's not to be the data engineer, but also you have to be very strategic about what you ask of those teams in terms of the work that you need. They're not gonna be able to do everything I want. I have a laundry list and they're like, no, you get like two things out of that list. So being really smart about like, why am I prioritizing the work that I'm doing too? Not even just like, this is the business value, but like, why do I think this is the most important right now? And figuring out what hills you wanna die on. Like that's that's a big for everybody. It's like, I, I feel very passionately about things, but I know some things I'm not gonna win. And you kind of just have to like learn when to let it go too. Well, listen, thank you so much, all of you. This has been a discussion that, frankly, I've just sat back and listened to because it's been so fascinating. Um, I want to say thank you to you for, for taking part, but also give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find out more about what you're doing and, and perhaps some other things you might want to share. So 
Richard, where, where would people find you? Uh, you can find me on www.feverbee.com. I don't know if we still need the www, right? I feel like the web's been around for a long time. Um, uh, you can find me on feverbee.com. Um, and also we're putting together like a community data course soon. So maybe that'd be relevant to people um, that attend, attend, attended this. Awesome. Thanks. Amanda. Thank you, um, Richard. I will share that with my team. Thanks. Um, community.github.com where the community discussions platform myself and my team would love to see more folks there and Josh uh, you can find me on LinkedIn I don't have my own website or you can go to common room if you want to see the stuff we've been up to uh, and all those charts and graphs you can think of the whole team and the work that we've all done together so wonderful thank you well everyone thank you Rebecca see you again thank you very much for, for the time we've spent together Thank you all so much. And um, gosh, a little call out, Josh Purcell, just so oh, yeah. people can find you. Yeah, Thanks. just look Thanks. up Josh on the internet and you know, he'll yeah, pop yeah. up. Here's a few, Josh. <laughs> yes, Josh Purcell. So. The data is high on Josh's on the internet. Um, thank you all so much. This has been an amazing conversation and I consistently learn from each of you and I appreciate it a lot. Matthew, I will see you again and I can't wait. Sure, thank you, bye. Thank you.